episode 169 of Board Game Blitz, a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to get your kid to stop singing that one song. You know the one I'm talking about. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about kids' games. First, we discuss a few games we've played recently, Draw the Line, Soundbox, Dexterity Jane, Echoes the Microchip, and Jekyll vs. Hyde. Then we talk about board games made for kids that we also love. And now here are your hosts, Camby and Crystal. Recently, I got a few review copies of party games and I got to play them all. So the three games are Draw the Line, Dexterity Jane, and Soundbox. Draw the Line is a party game that's like a mix between Pictionary and Connect the Dots. It was published in 2022, designed by Jay Cormier and Chase Disher, published by Synapses Games. In Draw the Line, it's a team game where each team is two people. So one person has a word that they're trying to get the other person to guess. And then each person has like this grid of icons. <laughs> and then you're, so you're like making a connected dot picture of the drawing that you're trying to get them to guess. And then each icon has a different, it's like a different icon. So you act out the icon and get your teammate to figure out the dots and then connect the dots. And so like they make a connect the dot picture based on what you're acting out. So they, they make the connect the dot picture that you had made and then they try to guess what the word is. I don't know if that makes sense. But you can look up pictures. So it's like connect the dots with charades. <laughs> and then to win, you have to win three times. And as you win, like the grid gets harder. So like on the third grid, there's spaces missing in the grid. So like when you make your connect the dot line, there's spaces missing and you have to kind of like use the new grid and figure out a good way to draw the image to make it still easy for the person to see the next dot because like when they're doing charades it's kind of hard to to see what they're charading and like find the dot like even if you know what they're charading you're looking for the dot and like where is it where is it so it's kind of hard and it's hard to come up with the line art to show the image like you're trying to to do a tree and but it has to be like a blocky thing because it's like connect the dots in a grid (laughs) Uh, but somehow it still works <laughs> like some are like so the items that you it. have to draw are, using the connect the dots i assume are relatively simple items yeah that, yeah they're relatively okay. simple things so like a tree a fish or something and i think it has a clue or like a category if you guess wrong once then the person can tell you the category of the thing oh okay and so it has that as a clue I I thought it was fun. Toby didn't like it because he doesn't like dry erase. And he thought, I think he didn't like like the drawing and acting combination thing. But it was kind of fun and surprisingly hard. I guess not surprisingly. (laughs) It sounds like it's going to be hard and it is hard. I don't want to interrupt you, but what do you mean Toby doesn't like dry erase? That's (laughs) it. Like you said that so nonchalantly. And I, oh yeah, he doesn't like dry erase. But I've never, (laughs) am I I the only one who thinks? Like, he just well, want, like he doesn't like messy, the feeling I think. of it or like it's messy and I, he, he doesn't like like using it I guess so huh okay yeah. I so learned we, something new about Toby every day <laughs> we, we don't tend to keep dry erase games he's fine playing other people's copies but not keeping them man and there's some really good games that utilize dry erase I know yeah like just one we yes. like playing that but we don't own it <laughs> wow okay yeah like in fiverr finding is really good too <laughs> but anyways that was draw the line uh charades connect the dots <laughs> another one is dexterity jane published in 2021 by sit down so dexterity jane is a kind of real-time dexterity-ish game so there's these cards that have different 
hand pictures on them with their different fingers folded down and you're going to look at all the cards on the table and then fold down your fingers based on what fingers are folded down but like if there's two of the same finger folded down then it cancels out oh so this is another bunny bunny moose yes moose it's, thing. it's like a simpler bunny bunny moose moose okay but each round one more card comes out so in the first round there's only one card out so you only like fold down one finger but then second round two cards and you get more points for each round too it gets pretty hard <laughs> when all the cards come out and they cancel each other out. Oh, there's also another card that's like an open hand. And so that cancels out all of the fingers. And there's also left and right hands. So it's like you're looking, is this the next finger of the left hand or the right hand? And you have to like look at all of them. And, and at one time we were playing and I think it would all ended up canceling them. <laughs> everything like cancel each other out so it was just like open hands and someone just looked at it and just like did it because they're like okay i just think it's gonna be <laughs> open hands they were just like you know what we're gonna take a shot in the yeah, dark here yeah and then they got it so yeah so so that's that's a quick if you like the idea of bunny bunny moose moose which i've talked about before in the podcast but like want a simpler one <laughs> that's slightly easier to keep track of then dexterity jane is fun there's also like another mode where you're shooting people and taking their points but we didn't play that mode that one's more complicated. And then the last party game that we played is Soundbox, published in 2022 by Horrible Guild. Soundbox is a party game where you're making sounds. So this is a cooperative party game. There's different words of different sounds like guitar solo or car crash or something. And each person gets a word in secret. And one person is the guesser. And they, they have their eyes closed after they look at the word. They have their eyes closed. And then everyone simultaneously makes their sound. Uh, for 13 seconds and then the person who's guessing has to guess all of the sounds <laughs> and it is very hilarious they sent me a copy of this one too ambie and i haven't had a chance to play it yet but i'm so looking forward to it <laughs> yeah it's it's so hard to like remember all the sounds because you're you're guessing one at a time codename style so like if you mess up then you don't get any more guesses and you get negative points for everything you didn't guess so you want to get the one you were sure about first and sometimes you think you're sure and then you're completely wrong but like you're like okay i heard this the police siren so there's that and then and then it's like oh shoot what was the other one it was something like waka wah 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 or like something but then what was that and then you're you kind of misremember and then and then you have no idea what's going on and then in higher player count games there's also the recorder which is another role that gets added and that person just closes their eyes and listens to the sound and then keeps their eyes closed when the guesser is guessing and just tries to replay the sound <laughs> all the sounds so theoretically that should help but I, when we played it it didn't actually help much <laughs> because the recorder also forgot <laughs> or like they would replay it but then it like still wouldn't be able to tell what the sound was because like they were playing it and not really knowing they don't remember what the words are so like they're just replaying what they heard which might not be the same as the sound right <laughs> it's like like what, what one person thinks yeah. a like a horn sounds like might be very different from yeah. what someone else thinks it sounds like yeah and if you're not thinking oh that was a horn sound you'll be like okay that was a sound <laughs> like okay i'm just trying to do that so Soundbox is hilarious fun and it was it's very difficult to win. We haven't won yet, but maybe maybe sometime. <laughs> this this sounds like one that adults would maybe particularly enjoy if they were the type of adults who partook in adult beverages at times. <laughs> this sounds yeah, like one of those games. It, it also has like two sides of the cards. Um one is like family friendly and then one is like less family friendly so if you want to play with your family and like make sure it's all family friendly sounds you can go to that side of the card but otherwise you can just pick randomly how not family friendly does uh, the other side of the card get <laughs> i i don't think anything was like super not family nothing lewd or anything it might have had like things like scary sounds and stuff oh, okay. like a chainsaw or like <laughs> okay okay like but not like um, not like dirty stuff no, this I, is don't, not... I don't think 
I don't think we saw any yet. Okay. Because <laughs> that would be, that would make things interesting for sure. <laughs> Real quick, I'm going to talk about a game that Ambi has already discussed previously on the podcast back in episode 161, but I got a review copy of Echoes the Microchip recently. The Echoes series is kind of a puzzle solving series akin to escape room board games, but it is all based on sound and you use a special app to scan the cards that are in the game and hear story, sound effects, and other things from them. So this was designed by Matthew Dunstan and Dave Neal and published by Ravensburger in 2021. Ambie, what were your thoughts on the Echoes games in general if for people who didn't get to hear that um, episode? I like them a lot. They're mostly story. It's just like putting things in order. And so I, I just like listening to the story and then like putting it in order and then I get the whole story that's yeah basically what the game is if you like story type games yeah right yeah there isn't as far as like puzzle solving goes yeah. this isn't really puzzle solving mm -hmm. it's you're scanning different pieces of a story and trying to kind of put them in order based on what mm -hmm. you're hearing and it isn't you know completely obvious all the time they have a lot mm -hmm. of things that like could go with one another and you have to keep scanning i enjoyed i didn't think i was going to dislike this i i mm -hmm. like pretty much everything robinsberger puts out of this mm -hmm. ilk but this surprised me in how mm -hmm. much i really liked it and now i want to get the other two echoes games yeah. yeah like it was really enjoyable to listen to the story and piece everything together and then mm -hmm. to hear what the whole story was yeah. at the end of it because you these I, as, i'm being vague because obviously i don't want to spoil this but yeah like you kind of uncover the mystery as you go and you're not mm -hmm. sure what's happening and then when you find out what's happening you're like oh my gosh this is yeah. you know yeah, because cool, like so. af after you piece together some pieces, then it like plays more audio that wasn't in the original audio bits. Yeah. After you complete it, then it like plays the whole audio with the deleted parts that you didn't hear before. So it's like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> and it's it's really fascinating. At least uh, the microchip. Like I said, I haven't played mm -hmm. the other two yet, but I am planning to seek those out. I really yeah. liked it. I would highly recommend this if it sounds like anything you might enjoy. Mm -hmm. And then I also got another review copy recently of a two-player trick-taking game called Jekyll versus Hyde, published by Mandu Games, designed by Gionil. And I have to give a shout out to the artist here because it's Vincent Dutrait. And for anyone who knows Vincent Dutrait's work, holy moly, the artwork in this game is gorgeous. <laughs> like, it's real pretty. I love trick-taking games. I've mentioned that on the show many times. But I have not played a lot of two-player trick-taking games. Those are starting to become a little bit more common. The one that I think is most well-known in the hobby board game sphere is Fox in the Forest, which I've still never played. So I actually don't have that as a point of reference. But Jekyll and Hyde is a two-player game where one player is Dr. Jekyll and one player is Mr. Hyde and there is a board with a track on it and Mr. Hyde is attempting to get the counter on the track all the way to the end and Dr. Jekyll is just trying to prevent that from happening. The way the track gets advanced is after every round, the difference in tricks taken between player one and player two, it doesn't matter who, who is who, the difference in the number of tricks advances the counter. So Dr. Jekyll is trying to keep things balanced. He's trying mm -hmm. to make sure that each player wins around the same number of tricks, whereas Mr. Hyde is trying to either win all of the tricks or win none of the oh, tricks, okay. basically. And the there are three different suits in the game and the suits are ranked differently depending on when they come out each round. So the colors may be stronger or weaker depending on when they are first played in a round. And 
there are these special cards that when they come out, depending on the color of the other card that was played against them, they will trigger special potion powers that can do things like you get to take a trick from your opponent or you have to swap cards with a couple of cards from your hand with the other player. It makes it really interesting because you very much have to be aware of what's happening in the moment and be able to adjust on the fly. And I really love that because it feels very different from other trick-taking games. Like when I was growing up playing hearts or spades or things like that, generally you get your whole big old hand of cards and you kind of already know what you're gonna do with it. Like mm -hmm. you have a good idea of how many tricks you're gonna take and which cards you're gonna play and when you're gonna play them. In a game like this, you can't, have that foresight. It's just not possible. You really have to be able to adjust and go along with whatever's happening. And it's really fascinating. The theme does not come through super strong, but I think, you know, that's probably not surprising since it is a trick-taking game, but I still like the theme. I think it's an interesting, you know, it's a struggle between the two parts of one human as per the story of Jekyll and Hyde. It's really quite neat and it comes in a small box. And if you're somebody who likes trick-taking games like me, but you don't always have four or more people to play them with, this is definitely one to take a look at. I enjoyed it quite a bit and I'm excited to play it more in the future. Oh, and I have to give, a, there's a component, like this box is small, like very small. And the, the tracker for the counter, I'm gonna show Ambi on video, but it is this like really gorgeous Whoa. metal piece of <laughs> Dr. Jekyll wearing a top hat and it's metal and it's heavy. Like it's a gorgeous little figurine. Wow, and it yeah. shocked me when I like pulled it out of the box. I was like, they didn't have to include this in there. And it really feels kind of nice. So, you know, I, I'm sure that they loved it when they put it in here and I want to give them credit for that. Like they didn't have to put in a, a piece this nice, but they did. So that is Jekyll versus Hyde from Mandu Games. Ambie, we've talked about a lot of different categories of board games over the past six and a half years, but there is one category we haven't touched on a ton. And I feel like as time progresses, we're probably going to start talking about them more and more, <laughs> at least from your side of things. Yeah. And that's kids games. Yep. Children's <laughs> games. I, I've got some kids now. You sure do. And they're getting to the age where they're actually kind of interested in games. Yeah. They're, they're getting way more interested all the time, it seems, from what you've been telling me. Although they're still not really playing the children's games as much. I have a bunch of children's games for them. And then they're like, I want to play the 18xx. And like, <laughs> I want to play this game review copy you just got that's not a children's game i'm like okay <laughs> that's so cute though that they want to like do stuff with mom and we did earlier this year we did an episode about kids games for adults like mm -hmm. games that are marketed as kids games that we think are really fun to play even if there are no kids yeah. present but today we're going to talk about some of our favorite games for kids, but I guess in Ambie's case, she has a little bit more perspective on what kids might actually like since she has kids. For me, it's going to be things that I think are some of the most kid-friendly that I enjoy, and also some games that I have played with kids before. And one thing that's weird about children's games in general is that children is a big age range. It really is. And it's huge. Yeah, and like the development is so big <laughs> like 
<laughs> so like a two-year-old versus a three-year-old versus a four-year-old they're it's gonna be completely different games so well and even a four-year-old versus a different four-year-old versus a different yeah. four-year-old it's still <laughs> yeah, it's all fair. very different and I think you know it's definitely important for parents to kind of gauge where their kids are mm-hmm. at and what their kids are interested in and I think we as hobby gamers sometimes really want, like when we do have kids, I know of many people who have been like, yay, more people for my game group. But it's like, (laughs) well, you can't really just like force that on them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Because as any of us who were a kid know, and that's everyone, (laughs) obviously I know I like if my dad really wanted me to do something I sometimes like didn't want to just because he wanted me to and I like I think that's a universal thing but I'm not quite sure why (laughs) yeah at at some point um, right like not not my entire childhood yeah like as they get older and they want to be more independent they stop wanting to do things that you really want them to do so yeah (laughs) but I did do a top 10 list of children's games over on One Pip Wonders YouTube channel. So Jonna has older kids. So I had like, I mean, I still have toddlers. <laughs> and so my, my top 10 list was mostly like toddler games. And then hers were like older games, like going into family games that like adults play too. So that kind of covered a bunch of age ranges of children's games. So you can go check that out if you're interested in like specific games. But yeah, like what have you found or what do you think, Crystal, <laughs> makes a good kids game? I think there's a lot of factors to consider how heavy the rules are mm-hmm. is a really big point of consideration especially if because like we talk about family games and kids games to me a family game is something that a kid can play but mm-hmm. possibly wouldn't be able to learn on their own or yeah. play on their own without the help of an adult like mm-hmm. for some reason whereas a pure kids game to me feels like something that like a kid of a certain age should be able to go to the shelf pull it off and play it by themselves or with their friends without the help of adults. Mm -hmm. So the rules have to be fairly simple, especially depending on their age. Mm -hmm. And that needs to be relatively short, I would say, because kids' attention spans don't, like kids don't want to sit down and play a two-hour game, obviously. (laughs) Like that's not going to happen. And I think, honestly, like, I think the packaging and the components can play a big factor in a kid's game as well, because you want the kid to be engaged. So bright colors or fun pieces or things like that, I would imagine, you know, like when I was a kid, I loved Pretty Pretty Princess. I really Mm -hmm. loved Pretty Pretty Princess. And that is Mm -hmm. barely a game. You literally are like, it's, I don't remember if it's a spinner or a die, but you're literally moving around a circle And just Mm -hmm. whenever you land on a thing, you put that piece of jewelry on, like the ring or the necklace or the (laughs) earrings, or the, and at the end, you can get the crown. There's no game there, but because (laughs) the components were so fun, I got to put on all this fake plastic jewelry. I loved that game. And so, you know, for just from my point of view, the, the games with fun components are the ones that I gravitated toward. And so I imagine it's similar for other kids as well. Yeah. And there are a lot of like new children's games coming out that I've seen and I, I just, I'm excited that like I have a, an excuse to get them now. Although I still have too many, I have too many children's games. I shouldn't get any more. But like they have like really nice art and really cool components and really cool themes. It's like, oh, these are so cool. Yeah, they like kids games have really come. I, in my estimation, a long way. Because mm-hmm. you can kind of phone it in with a kid's game. You can yeah. make something not as good and it will still work for, for mm-hmm. many kids. And that's not to say the game is bad, but like 
some of the games that are coming out now are still very kid friendly, but just way more interesting. Yeah. And I think like designing or <laughs> we're getting a little off topic, but like, oh, you know what? Go for it. <laughs> it seems like for designers, they can design kids games and just like do unique things that might not work with an adult's game, but like they can just be more creative <laughs> with kids games because they have like all these cool, unique things in kids games. And it's interesting because like we'll have to mention Haba at some point, so I might as well just do it now. Haba is really good at making Mm -hmm. kids games. They have a ton that are really awesome. And something like Dragon's Breath, which if you're not familiar with it, there's these plastic rings that get stacked up in the middle of the board. And then there's gems that are inside of those plastic rings. I've never actually played the game. I've just seen it. But like, I know when you take the plastic rings off, you're trying to either get the gems to fall or not get them to fall. But what's interesting is a component like that, this tower of rings with stuff inside of it, that could be utilized in an adult board game easily. (laughs) But like, you see that kind of stuff more in children's Mm -hmm. games. You don't see quite as quirky of mechanics like that typically in adult games. Yeah. And another hobble game that I just got is Forest Friends, which is for two-year-olds, but it's like a memory game, but it has this 3D cardboard. You, you like put these cardboard pieces up in the box and then you're peeping through the hole to look look for the little animals. That's so cool. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of, it's pretty fun. I mean, we haven't played it yet, but like we haven't played by the rules, but it's fun. Like my kids like setting it up. <laughs> and playing with the components like they do yeah. with other games. Something that I've seen in a lot of kids' games that I think tends to be pretty universally liked is dexterity elements. Mm-hmm. You know, especially kids of a certain age are still learning hand-eye coordination and mm-hmm. other dexterous movements. And so simple tasks can be more difficult for a kid, which can make the game more interesting. But mm-hmm. I've also seen, I know we're not talking about kids' games for adults, but like, Dancing Eggs is another game from Haba mm-hmm. where there are these wooden eggs or no, one's wood, all the rest are rubber. They're rubber eggs and you roll a die and it tells you where to put the egg and it's somewhere on your body, like under your arm or between your knees or like mm-hmm. under your chin and you have to hold it there. And then if a certain thing gets rolled, everyone has to like run around the table. And so you're like, as a kid, you're motoring, right? You're like, I'm good. I got my eggs. I'm whatever. And me as an adult trying to run with an egg between my knees, it's not going to happen. And so it kind of levels the playing field in a really interesting way when you throw. Now there are some dexterity things that adults are going to be way better at, obviously, Mm -hmm. but there are some like that where it's just funny to watch adults try and play against kids in a game like that. Yeah, another dexterity game that levels out for kids is Gulo Gulo. It was re-implemented as Pharaoh's Gulo Gulo, I think. I, I don't know if both print versions are out of print. I don't know. It's it. <laughs> I know like the original was out of print for a while, but you're supposed to like grab colored eggs from this basket in the middle. And so the eggs are kind of small. So like having little kid hands makes it easier to grab the eggs than like big adult <laughs> fingers. Right? So even though like adults are generally better at dexterity, kids can actually fit in there. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You and I have a a game that you and I both like that never gets talked about anywhere else that I wanted to mention. Igloo Pop, the Mm. one where you've got little plastic igloos with beads in them and you have to shake them and guess how many are in there. And that like, that's great for a kid. Like let them listen to the little thing shaking around and guess how many are in there. Like that's easy, I would think. And we're, you know, that game, it, it can be very, very frustrating in the best way because you're like, oh yeah, there's definitely like seven beads in here. And then you put it down and whatever. And it's like three. And you're like, wait, no way. That's not possible. 
<laughs> yeah, kids have better hearing than adults, so. They do. That's like, that's thing, true. So. Like, that's science. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My kids aren't old enough for Igloo Pop yet, though. They, they played with the pieces, but not old enough to, to actually <laughs> to know actually what play. to do with them. Yeah. <laughs> I've also played some light card games with kids, things like Best Treehouse Ever. This was actually kind of more, one of the more recent games that I played with kids. And these were not kids that I was related to. It was a friend of mine, his son and daughter. And he, like, I had gone over to his house and he was running out to pick up pizza. And so we were playing Best Treehouse Ever. And it was kind of a lesson in, I, I don't hang out with kids that often, right? Like, I don't. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I am a rule follower in games. I like to mm -hmm. follow the rules. And kids are not always going to yeah. follow or potentially even understand the rules. Yeah. And so when we were playing, I noticed that the kids were not placing things in their treehouse probably the way the rules intended them to. <laughs> and I was like I was like do I say something? I was like no, I don't. They're having fun. We're still playing the game. Mm -hmm. Like we can count up the scores at the end if we want, but really I think especially from a kid's point of view the purpose of a game is potentially different than what an adult might come into a game expecting. Mm -hmm. Some adults are very much about the competition and trying to win. And there are kids who are very competitive as well. But I would say most of the time when kids pull a game off a shelf, it's because they want to be entertained. And mm -hmm. so the rules are not necessarily as important. And so mm -hmm. it was nice for me to take a step back <laughs> mentally and just be like, Crystal, we do not have to follow the rules. It is okay. Just build your treehouse. <laughs> yeah. and, and then if you like try to follow the rules and make them follow the rules and they won't like it as much. Right. Like so. that's not fun for anybody. Yeah. And now you just seem like a jerk. <laughs> yeah. And I do get there are, you know, there's value in eventually teaching a kid how to mm -hmm. follow rules. But in, in yeah. an instance like this, they weren't deliberately breaking rules. They were just mm -hmm. playing the game the way they thought it should be played, basically. Yeah. The children's game that like I always talk about is the first first toddler game is Go Away Monster. And that one, like everyone that I've played with, <laughs> every kid has like a different way of handling the monster in that. You're supposed to like say Go Away Monster. I think even the rules, it says like you can either throw it across the room or put it back in the blocks or do whatever you want, like with the monster. So it leaves it open to to do whatever you want with the monster after you say Go Away Monster. But like my kids now were tucking it in the bed. <laughs> in the room <laughs> but they, they say go away monster and then put it in bed <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> funny, so. that's but adorable like, yeah that, that's what they like and then also like kids tend to want specific items in their room like they want the orange bed or like green bed or something so like they end up trading and that's not in the rules either but like they really want that bed so <laughs> kind of teaches other stuff even if it's not in the rules that's cute. And there are some games that are made kind of for kids who are a little bit older. A good example of that would be My Little Scythe, which was designed by a dad and his daughter who oh, yeah. want like they wanted to play Scythe together, but the yeah. daughter was far too young for a game that complex. And so they literally designed their own version of Scythe themed kind of around My Little Ponies. And then it was so good that Stonemaier Games basically bought the, you know, like got the design from them legally, not like in a bad way, <laughs> and uh, made My Little Scythe, which is not My Little Pony licensed or themed technically. Yeah, well, yeah I think the original game was My Little Pony, but yes. then like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. But you, yeah, yeah the, getting licensing rights yeah. to stuff is tough. And My Little Scythe is really fun. Like it's, mm -hmm. I really enjoy that game. And so I think it's neat. And then there's another game that we wanted to talk about Cora Quest, which yeah. currently is on Kickstarter again with its new expansion. expansion. Yeah. So that was also designed by a father-daughter duo <laughs> that we 
know. Yeah, <laughs> so, so Dan, Dan Hughes and Cora. Yeah. I actually have Cora. You you backed Cora Quest too, right? I did back Cora Quest, and I mailed it directly to my oh, sister's okay. house. Mm-hmm. I don't know if my nephews have played it yet. Like mm-hmm. the older nephew is definitely old enough for it, but the younger one is still three. So I think it's oh, probably okay. and I. So my assumption is it'll sit on the shelf for probably a couple more years, mm-hmm. and then. Hopefully they'll uh, pull it off the shelf at, at some point. Yeah, yeah. My kids aren't old enough yet. <laughs> they're three, but I backed the expansion too. <laughs> and the expansion adds a campaign, which is exciting. I like campaigns, but yeah, hopefully my kids like that. I think one thing, Core Quest is, is shorter adventures. So like other campaign games, I played Stuff Fables a while ago with my friend's kid. And that one, the theme was cool for kids. It was like stuffed animals. And then there was like story and you're going adventuring. And the, the mechanics were fun for our kids' Friend, but then it was just too long because like one chapter took a couple of hours and so she, she was just tired and less than halfway through <laughs> yeah. tired of it so like you mentioned before it needs to be relatively short so I think like the core quest adventures are short and they're like made by a kid for kids so it's gonna be like something that a kid will want to play too and honestly like Dan and Cora were, had been doing segments on mm-hmm. YouTube together for so many years and it's yeah, really neat it cool. hey it's neat to see how much Cora has grown up because <laughs> yeah. she was so tiny so when they started now. making videos together and now she's a game designer like <laughs> and she's definitely still a kid like you know mm-hmm. but she and I love like Dan will post pictures of like when they when something successful happens for Cora Quest they'll go out and get like an ice cream sundae mm-hmm. together and it's so cute those are the types of stories that I love in board games that you don't get to hear about, I think, in other hobbies mm. or like as much. Like board games kind of just engender this cool collaborative nature and like people who yeah. play board games want to make board games a lot of the time. And it's just really neat. Yeah, and they can make them. That's, that's Yeah, cool. you can. Like anybody <laughs> can design a board game. No one's stopping you. Like if you want to design a video game, you got to learn stuff, right? You got to learn how to code. And some other things if you want to make a video game. But if you want to make a board game, you could sit down with some paper and pencils and just do it. And that's another thing. Like going back to kids games, like kids, I think kids like designing games too. Like they like creating things. They have imaginations. I remember as a kid, like I played Hero Quest and there was like custom campaign makers or custom adventures. And I would like make a little custom adventure thing. So games that have that ability, which Core Quest also has, <laughs> has that. You can make your own heroes and stuff. But yeah, so like games that encourage that creativity are, are really good for kids. Absolutely. Well, we would love to hear from you all what your favorite kids games are or what your kids favorite games are. So hit us up on social media or our Discord or our Board Game Geek Guild and let us know what your favorite kids games are. And that's it for this week's Board Game Blitz. Visit our website, boardgameblitz.com, for video blog content, as well as to get links to all our social media pages. This episode was sponsored by Gray Fox Games. Coming soon from the designer of Arcana Rising, The Bazaars of Ubar is a fantastical engine-building game where players will draft trade tiles from the marketplace where the costs shift like the sands. And don't forget that Blitzketeers get 20% off non-exclusive items at grayfoxgames.com by using the code GFGBLITZ2022 at checkout. Join the Blitzketeer community on Discord for game nights, discussions, and more by following the link in the show notes. Support our show by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. And if you want behind-the-scenes access and an invite to our private Slack channel, visit patreon.com slash boardgameblitz. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Toby Mao. Until next time, whoa, kids game of mine. Bye, everyone. Bye. And I'll go over them one by one because that's how I do reviews of games. <laughs> 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 so.
I I played stuffed fables a while ago with with a kid's friend. I mean, a friend's kid. <laughs> Whoa, kid game. Whoops, kids, kids. <laughs> then we talk about board games that make. Oh gosh, I got so proud of myself for adding in the other thing that I <laughs> like. I was like, yay! And I stopped reading. 